Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome. It felt like a slow weekend, like when there's no NFL football anymore. And like, I'm turning around. What's the big ESPN event? College softball? Is that all you got? I watched some golf, but gosh, it's it's slow out there. I mean, I guess there was an NBA All-Star game, but nobody plays defense. But the media still play defense. The New York Times published a story on the latest poll of presidential greatness under the headline, Poll Ranks Biden as 14th Best President with Trump Last. Yes, whenever you poll a group of historians... It's like polling a bunch of journalists. They're all a pile of libs. Yes, Ronald Reagan dropped five spots to 16. So Biden ranked higher than Reagan. Huh? We were joking at the office. Well, Reagan's defense posture led to the end of the Soviet Union. And under Biden, Putin's expanding back into Soviet territory. Gee, which one was better? At the New York Times, Peter Baker, not Brent Baker, projected a disappointment over Biden's achievements, not getting quite enough credit. Baker wrote, although he has claims to a historical legacy by managing the end of the COVID pandemic, semicolon, rebuilding the nation's roads, bridges, and other infrastructure, semicolon, and leading an international coalition against Russian aggression. Mr. Biden's signature accomplishment, according to the historians, was evicting Mr. Trump from the Oval Office. Managing the end of a pandemic. Yes, who put an end to the pandemic by developing a vaccine? And who, you know, now we're not sure whether his supporters actually like vaccines. But my, the point being, Managing the end of a pandemic. Leading a coalition against Russian aggression. Remember when the Democrats were not against Russian aggression? They didn't like Reagan saying, evil empire, we begin bombing in five minutes. Yes, Mr. Biden's signature accomplishment was throwing Trump out. Biden's most important achievement may be that he rescued the presidency from Trump, resumed a more traditional style of presidential leadership, and is gearing up to keep the office out of his predecessor's hands this fall, wrote Justin Vaughn and Brandon Roddinghouse, the college professors who conducted the survey and announced the results in the Los Angeles Times. So you're... Presidential greatness is, did you defeat Trump? Will you defeat Trump again? How, how is this a judgment on history and not just a poll with Democrats thinking about Democrat things? So on this podcast called This Moment in Democracy out of Rutgers, these two professors explained that Democrat presidents in the modern era have all received kind of a Trump bump. Their rankings are on the rise thanks to the comparison with evil orange guy. The ratings have been Trumpified. Listen. 
So we're calling this, for lack of a better way of putting it, the kind of Trumpification of presidential greatness. So all of the presidents, especially Democratic presidents who served before Trump and who are now currently serving like Joe Biden, have got a bit of a bump. Like their increase in the survey is pretty stunning. Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, Jimmy Carter are all increased in terms of their rating because of this notion that Donald Trump has kind of, you know, changed the nature of the presidency in a way that makes people alter their perceptions about presidential greatness. So I think that's really what's stunning about it. And, you know, a, a partisan could make a firm case for Joe Biden to say that, you know, being able to defend the Obamacare and, you know, passing some of these big bills, maybe looking at some of the gun control legislation that was passed. You know, these are all efforts that, you know, make for great presidents. But what the fine print says for presidential greatness is that it doesn't happen very much. So for him to jump so far ahead is definitely a partisan story. Obviously, academics tend to lean left. But it's also a story about kind of how we sense the norms of the presidency and where that positions presidents to come. Now, professors Vaughn and Rottinghouse attempted to break down how the presidents were ranked by Republicans or Democrats in this sample. I guess it was a list from the American Political Science Association. You can tell there's not a lot of Republicans in this survey. For example, the Republicans they say, put Biden at number 30 on the list of presidential greats, and the Democrats put him at 13, and he ended up at 14. The Republicans put Obama at number 15. The Democrats put him at 6, and Obama ended up at 7. You see? Obviously, there's got to be 9 or 10 liberals and Democrats for every Republican or conservative, which doesn't surprise anybody. The Republicans in this survey put Reagan at 5, the Democrats put Reagan at 18, so he was at 16. Now, there were only 154 respondents. I think they invited like 525. That's a pretty tiny poll. So perhaps it's not the deepest finding like, oh, this deserves serious LA Times, New York Times attention. I think there's one obvious point in here, and that is historians, if they're describing the last two or three presidents, it's just a little too early for grand judgments. We can expect they're going to bring an exaggerated partisan judgment to people they voted for or campaigned against. In this case, putting Trump last is one way for these historians to try to talk people out of considering Trump over Biden. Seriously, guys, you should pick the 14th greatest, not the guy at last. Speaking of dinging Trump, the TV networks are still promoting on Monday Trump's enormous civil suit fine of $355 million. This is just one of the weirdest judgments ever. And you would hope that somewhere in our court system, somebody would find it to be insane. I mean, there were actually no bankers who sued Trump for being defrauded, this whole enterprise was a Democrat plot. And we at the MRC have found, they almost never note, this fraud case came from an elected Democrat, New York Attorney General Letitia James, who ran for office making campaign promises to ruin Trump. And the judge in this case, Arthur N. Goron, is a Democrat who said in his judgment 
that the Trump family's lack of remorse on this score was, quote-unquote, pathological. Does that sound like a disinterested, objective judge? The Wall Street Journal editorial page, who's not fond of Trump, suggested that Trump exaggerated his properties with bankers like he does in life. I have the finest buildings. I have the finest hair, the finest wife, whoever she is right now. But the Wall Street Journal said about the judgment, this remedy is like using a hellfire missile to annihilate a shoplifter. Meanwhile, Biden news is not news. Did you hear this one? I think the answer is no. According to the New York Times, a Secret Service agent is now positioned at the bottom of the stairs, even the short stairs, whenever President Biden boards or disembarks from Air Force One. They're trying to make sure he doesn't trip. They're not going to report on that because it it's the feeble Biden Report. They're not going to do that. More seriously, Politico reported on Sunday, Ben Schreckinger, who has a whole book out on the Biden family that nobody wanted to talk about. I think it came out in 2021. Ben Schreckinger didn't exactly do the rounds of the networks like, oh, Michael Wolf, Omarosa, Bob Woodward, and the whole nine yards. Uh, Politico reported... When Joe Biden's brother, Jim, worked as a consultant to AmeriCorps Hospitals, that's A-M-E-R-I-C-O-R-E, not C-O-R-P-S. We're used to AmeriCorps. Jim worked as a consultant to AmeriCorps Hospitals in 2017. He suggested to them, hey, his brother could help. And he spoke of plans to give brother Joe equity, some cash, and a seat on the board. Instead, AmeriCorps went bankrupt, which was wreaking havoc in the rural communities where those hospitals were. AmeriCorps still faces a federal prosecution of a $100 million conspiracy to defraud Medicare, and nobody in the national media seems to care, other than Politico in this case. Now, Let's remember, on the same day in 2018 that James Biden received a $200,000 payment from AmeriCorps, Jimmy Biden made out a check for that amount to his brother Joey, which then he claimed on the check was a loan repayment, but he's never proved there was an actual loan. James Biden will appear this week before Jim Comer's House Oversight Committee. And I'm sure CNN and MSNBC will carry the whole thing live. Well, maybe not. A lot of times with these now, they do them behind closed doors. But you can know when they have a public hearing, they still don't want to run them live. Uh, Our friend Joe Concha has out his first column in the New York Post today focused on Biden Biden. He was citing a recent ABC News poll that shows 86% of Americans think Biden doesn't have the mental fitness for another term. That doesn't mean a big chunk of those people won't vote for him. I mean, they all wanted to vote for Mel Carnahan after he died in a plane crash. He ended up voting for his wife. You know, Democrats are going to vote for Democrats whether they're dead or alive, whether they're in prison or not. But still, 
the, the news media really should notice 86% of Americans think Biden's not fit to be president anymore. And they all want to dismiss it. Biden had three solo press conferences in 2023. Trump had 35 in his last year in office. Now, yes, that's 2020. And we're talking about the COVID era. But then they didn't want Trump to come to those. I had a great press conference. It was very highly rated as we talked about mass death. Uh, Concha has made a big point in recent weeks on his Twitter account of how when you look at Biden's daily schedule, he almost always has no public events. You know, he might have a campaign fundraiser. He's got a, a press pool in there, but it's not a public event. It's a fundraiser. And now he often takes the presidential daily briefing after lunch at like two in the afternoon. He was sort of like every other president's taking these at like eight in the morning. You know, do you, is that, is, is his brain not engaged till 2 PM? What do you, you know, but he, you know, people aren't really asking this question. Here's the fun line that really stuck out from Joe Concha. Biden isn't a fine wine who will only get better with age but more like cottage cheese left out in the sun. And then the media somehow defending Fonnie Willis. Now, as we've discussed, some journalists, especially Rachel Maddow, have suggested Fonnie should recuse herself from this case, but most of the journalists are aggressively backing her, just as they did for her fellow Georgian woman of color, Stacey Abrams. These women can lie. They can have massive conflicts of interest. You know, in Stacey Abrams' case, they can make massive money on book deals and Star Trek cameos. But they're women of color, and therefore they're always victims. And anytime they face trouble, it all comes down to racism and sexism. Reporters will assemble teams of black women professionals to quote-unquote explain the problem. The Fonnie Willis case is collapsing in Fulton County, but they will pretend it's not, just as they tried to pretend Stacey Abrams really won the governor's race in Georgia. Yes, the AP published a story. This got a lot of notation on Twitter or notice. Headline. Fonnie Willis' testimony evokes long-standing frustrations for black women leaders. Notice that this is not talking about, you know, winsome seers. Black Republican women aren't really black or somehow aren't really women, you know. Clarence Thomas, not really black. This is the, the way that's played. Yes, uh, the summary was in interviews with the Associated Press. Many black women leaders expressed frustration and disappointment that public attention had turned from the merits of the criminal case against Trump to the personal conduct of the black woman overseeing the prosecution. For them, the court challenge to Willis echoes familiar experience of, of tests of their authority, competence, and character. And, of course, the sources are on the left. Quote, I love that she stood up for herself, but I hate the fact that she had to, said Melanie Campbell, president and CEO of the National Coalition on Black Civic Participation. Uh, that's badly named. It's the National Coalition on Getting Black Democrat Voters to Turnout. 
Campbell said when she saw video of the testimony, she felt, why are you all treating her like she's on trial? Black women feel like we're under attack, and that's a fact. Then it comes to Jonathan Capehart. Yes, sloppy liberals like Capehart go on the PBS NewsHour and somehow suggest the death of Navalny in Russia, the Putin dissident, can be blamed on Donald Trump. Capehart said, this comes after we've been listening to Donald Trump saying if NATO doesn't pay its bills, Russia can, quote, do whatever the hell they want. And so this sends, I think, an incredibly chilling message to the world that Vladimir Putin, for lots of reasons, probably feels very, very emboldened. Putin probably feels confident that maybe come November, he will have a friend in the White House and he can do whatever the hell he wants. Yeah, that's really energetic stuff. Kill a Soviet dissident or Russian dissident, blame Trump. I mean, it just makes no sense to blame Trump for everything that happens in Russia. It makes about as much sense as blaming Vladimir Zelensky for our border crisis. On this subject on Monday morning, conservative Twitter was reacting to this exchange over a helicopter noise, almost drowned it out. A reporter asked Biden, Mr. President, would you go so far as to say that Alexei Navalny's blood is on the hands of the House Republicans right now? What the fluffer nutter? Detective Curtis Houck here at Newsbusters got in the case and figure out it was M.G. Lee on CNN. Once he had that hint, he found M.J. Lee on CNN talking about how she was somehow proud of asking this stupid question. You know, Trump had CNN's Jim Acosta screaming at him or other CNN screamers. Now, M.G. Lee's going to Biden and she's like, Sir, can you please describe the Republicans as dissident murderers? Would you be a lamb and smear blood all over the Republican hands? I just cannot stand this whole blood on your hands business. If you don't want inflammatory language that's going to cause some wacko to commit violence, don't blame your opponent for having blood on his hands unless he literally killed someone. I mean, to his credit, Biden was like, I wouldn't use that term, but they're making a big mistake not responding. They're walking away from the threat of Russia. They're walking away from NATO. Okay, still a softball question. But in, sometimes it's just so weird how these liberal journalists are so ardently anti-Russian. It doesn't take long. Go back to 2012. You know, remember back when Barack Obama, our number seven greatest president ever, was mocking Mitt Romney for putting Russia at the top of the geopolitical threat list? Like, ha, 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 Mitt, you're so out of date. You're like stuck with Dick Clark and American Bandstand in 1962 or whatever. The way they flipped, I mean, this is where conservatives need to be good and staunchly anti-Russian and say, We've always been over here, pal. We've been over here on anti-Moscow corner. You just showed up when you figured out somehow Putin defeated your girl, Hillary Clinton, and you can't take it. 
Speaking of people not being able to take it, there's a new blog up today about how the Washington Post is all upset that Sinclair Broadcasting bought the, the uh, Baltimore Sun. They get really upset when what they consider, you know, the Democratic media flagship of Maryland goes over to the right-wingers. Oh, no. Yes, they put that under their democracy beat, like conservatives got a newspaper, democracy is on the wane. This is where we remind you, telling the media they suck. The Baltimore Sun used to suck. Maybe now it won't suck so bad. The Washington Post sucks. CNN sucks. That's democracy. That's the sound of democracy. We get to say that the news media does not equal democracy. We're all participants in democracy. Just because these liberal media people won't let us on their precious channels or cut off our candidates because they are not allowed to finish their answer, and we're certainly not giving them live coverage for their little hearings or speeches, doesn't mean conservatives and Republicans aren't part of democracy. It's the liberals that think they're the open-minded ones that are constantly trying to shut us down. We're not taking it. If you're with us, you got to come to Newsbusters once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for listening.